cool. We're alive. We're here. We're partying. We're ready to party. Good evening. Oh, let me... I hit my pop filter by accident. All right. We're we're live. We're rocking. It's it's Wednesday. Let's party. You know why uh, what they say. That's why Wednesday starts with a P for party. Uh anyway, good evening everyone. Uh I am very excited to be here today. It is a lovely evening here in Ontario, Canada. Uh we have a pretty nice show for you packed up and ready to go. Uh, big week here at Scouting Headquarters uh, with the news of the draft likely being early June. That completely screwed up my video schedule. Uh, and now I pretty much am primarily focusing on mostly higher-end players for the draft. So if there's a high-end player in this year's draft that you haven't seen a report from and their name isn't, unfortunately, guys like Jack Quinn, uh, then uh, they're probably going to be getting reports before the draft. Um, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, won't get to absolutely everyone likely to go in the first round, but I am still going to throw in some of those wild cards towards the, uh, in the middle of it somewhere. There's a name that likely will be coming out next week in the list of players tracked, uh, so you can look forward to that one. Um, let me just pull up my prospect data tracking sheet uh yeah so it's been a bit of a mad dash bit of a mad scramble uh really sucks the part that really sucks for me is that my data set won't be oh geez uh my data set won't be as robust as i wanted it to be uh i really was hoping that i would get up to a solid two rounds worth of good data on on those guys i don't know if i'm gonna get there um We'll see. It depends on how the next month goes. If the draft is mid-June, it might not be the end of the world. Uh, but I still do want to get to my goal of 30 videos. Uh, filming another four this weekend at the most. Three or four, probably. Likely three, but I'm hoping for four. Um, And yeah, and so that's going <laughs> to get me up to 17 of them. So if I can do 13 in under a month... Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> that's... Let's pretend that isn't happening. Uh, anyway, t tonight is a lovely night, so let's dig straight into the questions and we'll get her, get her going because uh, a lot of you are here and a lot of you showed up, so I, I'm glad to see you all here. Uh, Francis Bebo, can you do Marco Rossi, please? I love your videos. Well, thank you very much. I have seen you comment a couple of times, Mr. Bebo. Uh, yeah, uh, Marco Rossi is on the way. He's one of the ones getting filmed this weekend. I don't really care about keeping it a secret anymore because it's pretty much a mad dash to the... Uh, and next to the to the beginning of June. Oh, speaking of which, uh, before I move on with the questions, I was going to announce it tonight, but I figured I would do it when the draft is actually announced and the lottery's done. I want uh, to do the mock draft again. If you were here last year, we did a mock draft where twenty or thirty other people signed up, and we did a full three round mock draft live on online, which was a heck of a time for a multitude of reasons. But it turned out pretty fun. Um, so we're going to try to do that again, uh, but it won't happen until the lottery's done. Uh, I don't like doing it without a concrete, you know, here's how the order is. Uh, so we're going to do that. Um, but we'll stay tuned, uh, cause I am planning on doing it again. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to find better ways of doing it than last year because there was a bit of a mess with some people, but, uh, I hope that if you're interested, uh, definitely let me know and, um, definitely uh gonna have a registration thing up 
uh, for whoever is interested. Uh, and then uh, one week before the, the mock draft, we'll do like a lottery like we did uh, last year. So if you like, you can go check that out. It's on the channel from about a year ago around now. So uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, it's it's going to be a good time. Last year, Capo Caco went first overall. So who would have thought? Uh, anyway... Uh, yeah, Marco Rossi's coming. Uh, hey, Will, thanks for the stream. You're welcome. What do you think are some flaws in Miraculous Nadinov's game that might hold him back to the next level? Yeah, so definitely strength is a big issue with him. Um, I see what you mean kind of by structure. He needs to be a little bit more under control a lot of the time on the ice. But I do think he is... The only real weakness I've seen of him is sort of that strength and, and confidence, especially offensively. Uh, I think he's got tons of skill and tons of speed and can put it all together, uh, you know, over time. Um, he is still very young. So I think he's going to be fine over time. He's not going to be a guy in the NHL in a year or two. Uh, he's going to be a little bit of a slow burn. So I, I think, though, the big thing that stuck out to me was his lack of strength. That's the one thing I think that really held him back. Long, long, long that, that not might really hold him back if he doesn't build on that, on that frame. Because... I think smaller players have do have an advantage with the lower center of gravity, but it, they, the, the disadvantage is that they can get knocked around because they're not as heavy. But um, luckily for Miraculous Nadinov, he's pretty quick and has some nice skills. So if he can get sort of a bit more bulky on that frame, then I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, Ryan, hey Will, how's it going? It's going pretty good. A lot going on, but it's going pretty good. Have you watched much of Maxime Berioskin? Yeah, I have. I've seen him play a few times. Um, I'm not sure there's NHL upside with him. He's on my watch list. Um, I think, I mean, I've seen him play a few times with Locomotive. I saw him, I watched his game where he played in the KHL with Locomotive. He played on a line with Dineshkin and, and Mamen. Um, he looked fine in the KHL, but I think that speed is really going to hold him back. Uh, he's, you know, pretty old for the draft class. And... You know, I think that if his skating doesn't come, like, two notches... Like, if I had to rate his skating right now, it would probably be, like, a 3B. Like, he's really strong on his feet, which is really nice. Like, where I've seen him push a lot of play positively is with his strength on his feet. Um, he, he pushes hard up the ice. He's hard to knock off the puck. Uh, he's got decent skill. But I think that when it comes time to facing a lot of pressure under high speed, that's when things can kind of fall apart for him. Um... At least I think that's the case long term. I think he's going to get picked. He's a good, you know, decent bet for maybe like a, you know, two-way, third-line guy, fourth-line guy maybe. I just don't really think that the offense and the speed is quite there yet. Um, but he does, you know, he does have a pretty decent shot and, and there is some good talent to him. Uh, I just, he's not a guy that's extremely high on my list. Uh, mostly because of projectability issues. Uh, Alexander Payi. Hey, Will. Wanted to know your thoughts on Tristan Robbins and William Villeneuve. Tristan Robbins is one of the more underrated guys in the draft. I mean, he got better and better as the year went on and finished extremely strongly. Uh, I have him ranked in the mid-second round now. I was turned on to him relatively recently, and I started tracking him. And early in the year, very, very stark difference between the quality of player there. Um, but towards the end of the year, him and Kyle Cernkovich, in terms of offensive play at least, were some of the some of the best chemistry that I got to see. I mean, they played together at the beginning of the year, but Eric Florchuk didn't really seem to be much of a help to them. Um, but I like Tristan Robbins a lot. 
Uh, I think that you can bet on his offense being more than enough to cover for his defensive issues, which are there. But, you know, he's a great skater, tons of speed, really explosive, uh, really, really good skill, creative offensively. Uh, you know, he and Kyle Cernkovich, I think, are both really interesting players, but Robbins could be a really interesting player. Not sure he's a center at the next level, I, I don't think, but as an offensive winger down the road, I could see it. I, I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, and if he's available in those mid rounds for some reason, I think that he's an easy swing. But I think there's are there are teams out there that saw him down the stretch. I feel like he would have had a really big playoff, and I think teams will do their homework on him. William Villeneuve is I the more I watch of him, you know, he has some talent in terms of his uh in terms of his sort of skill and his shot from the point. I just think that his defensive play is kinda okay. Uh his skating is not great at all. Um, his decision-making isn't perfect. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, I think the data outperforms what he actually is capable of on the ice. I don't mind him. I have him ranked around where most people have him ranked. And he is on my short list because I do think that what he does do well is, you know, he's good at it. Like his skill is good. His shot is good. Um, you know, he can get around, but he's not hypermobile. I think he's fine, but I don't. I th- I think that you know, looking just at his data, without looking at him on on paper or sorry on the ice, might give you the wrong impression. I, I, you know, I also think that people who only look at the eyeball thing with him and just look at him on the ice and write him off might also be missing why he's getting all of these results. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in his career. Usually, guys like him don't completely fall off the the wagon. Uh, so I'm curious, I, but I don't, I think that other teams are looking at his skating and his defensive play and might be a little hesitant, uh, certainly more hesitant than some with someone like Tristan Robbins, uh, destroyer of moons. Hello. How are you? Hope you're not destroying the earth's moon. We need it. Uh, really bad. Joseph McCauley. If the devil's pickets, devil's pickets seven, if Rossi drops, that's a no brainer, right? I have friends saying Raymond is the better pick. I would probably go with Rossi, but if you're the Devils, Raymond wouldn't be a bad pick. I think that Raymond would be a good pickup because you already have a lot of solid centers. Like, if your three NHL centers down the road is Hughes, Heischer, and Rossi, you might be kind of underutilizing Rossi, and you don't want to bump Heischer down to three, and those two guys are already your NHL centers. Like, you don't have to project them or anything. Like, they're going to be there. Uh... If Rossi is available, though, I think you could make that argument to take him there. You could use him at the wing as well, but I also think that that kind of undervalues him or underutilizes him. Raymond wouldn't be a bad pick. I mean, the idea of Lucas Raymond sharing a line with Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes or whoever is kind of spooky to me in a couple of years when Jack Hughes is stronger and and quicker and and, and everything kind of gets heightened. That's kind of spooky. I think either is a good pick, personally. If I had to pick one, I go with Rossi and deal with too many centers as a problem. Uh, but uh, I think that you know Raymond is a guy who uh, wouldn't be that bad of a pick. If the pick is one or the other, and it's not the guy you want, it, it, I think that you'll be fine regardless. Um, I know which way I would go, but there's a perfectly reasonable discussion to me between those two. And if you want me to get more into it, I can. But but don't be too upset if that's what ends up happening. It, it, Rossi slipping to eight would be great value for whoever's there, but Raymond at seven, I think, is also very good value. I mean, you can't really overestimate how important it is that he played that Raymond played on such a good team and drove such good results, uh, while still being relatively solid in terms of creating offensive chances. 
you know, the points weren't there. But again, I saw one game where he rang two shots off the post in a period. Like, he was kind of snake-bitten. Um, anyway, but I, I hope that kind of helps. Don't don't think about it too much. If it's one of those two guys, you're you're laughing at seven. Uh, Dave Marchese, 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 I've seen Eric Branstrom mentioned when reading about Emil Andre. I don't see it. Branstrom seemed more dynamic with noticeably better skating. Thoughts? That's true. I don't really see Branstrom and Andre. Uh, Andre is one of these weird cases where he looked a lot better in the SHL than in the Junior League. I like him. I think he's, in terms of what Branstrom and he, what Branstrom and Andre really seem to do well is shake opponents off. They're they're not like Branstrom. I think his skating in general is better, but but Andre has similar skill and a really nice ability to shake off defenders and evade pressure at, at, at a higher speed. I I don't I don't know how easily that projects, um, but I don't think I'd put the skating on the same level as a Branstrom. I, I think Branstrom has like a special special set of skills, um, but not sure that that's entirely accurate for for Andre so don't think you're crazy but Andre certainly is not you know Andre is more Branstrom-esque in some ways than he isn't if that makes sense but I don't really see them as like he's the next Eric Branstrom uh I, I think Andre Andre has a little bit more work to do to sort of get to that level uh Jasper Johansson what up guy what organizations would you want Poshin to be drafted to so he can reach his potential well, someone willing to be patient, uh, someone willing to let smaller players play, uh, like Toronto comes to mind. Like if Toronto ends up with uh, Nick Robertson last year at 54 and ends up with Poshin this year, and they don't really, they don't need Poshin immediately, right? Like they can wait and give him three years or four years and, and they're not going to pressure him to come over. And he's got all the talent in the world right now. Um so Toronto's the first team that comes to mind. But any team with that kind of line of thinking, like Carolina might be a good pick for, for them. Like they just want good players, it seems, and they let the rest sort itself out. And I think that, that he's one of those guys. Um, who else? Columbus might be a team that looks at him when they have a pick. Uh, Columbus seems to like these really skilled guys. Like, you know, if you like skill, like Kirill Marchenko type, Poshin doesn't have the size that Marchenko does, but but the skill and the and the excitement behind him is there. Texier is another one that's an exciting, skilled player. Uh, um, Bemstrom in Columbus as well. All of those guys are all exciting, fun players, and I think that Columbus doesn't really think about that. You know, I, I think they think about the the excitement of it and the skill and everything when they look, especially in their in their non first round picks. I think he's going to be a good player, uh, and and. There are certain teams that I think would be a good fit. Toronto, Columbus, those come to mind. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see who picks up, picks them up. I mean, Washington might be an interesting one in terms of, like, they drafted a lot of bigger players last year, but they're not afraid of Russians, and they don't seem to be afraid of too much skill, especially Russian skills. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. But, but Toronto was the team that first jumped to mind because he might be a guy that they like. Um, they're not afraid of Russians, it seems, clearly, and Russians aren't afraid of Toronto. Um, so maybe they just draft him and let him sit in Russia for a few years and try to do stuff without him before he's ready to come over. Uh, okay. Um, uh, ooh, Nick Mattioli. KOTOR party member tier list. Oh, boy. 
I need to Google them because it's been a while since I did a playthrough. Okay. Tier list. That's tough. Tier list is tough. That doesn't look like all of the... Okay, compare... Oh, okay. So we'll look at a tier list and and make a judgment. I can't say I'm perfectly lined up with the... Okay, so first off the bat, in most of my playthroughs, I killed Juhani. Uh... So that's not fun. Um, I liked playing as Candorous because usually my guys end up turning into evil no matter what. I don't know. It's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> Zalbar, yeah, no. Zalbar is pretty, too, pretty poor. But I would bump up the droid. I found the droid pretty useful a lot of the time. T3M4, I used him a lot. Um, Karth is good, sure. But I don't, I don't know if... He was that, like, is he S tier? I don't, I don't know. Uh, Jolie as well is is a good one. I, I, I but I, I wish I played with Juhani. I should have, I should play through a round without destroying her, unfortunately. Um, Candorous though was a lot of fun for sure, especially because every so often he drops a line where you're like, man, that's some really mean stuff you just said, man. Like, but okay, and then you just end up doing dark side things and having some fun anyway anyway uh i I do need to play through that game more it's been a long time i know i posted that on on twitter today i don't have a ton of time to do much of anything outside of this so Uh, but when this is all over one day we'll circle back on that uh destroyer of moons again there's a lot of talk about niels hoaglander from vancouver but not much chatter about fogmo uh yeah i like fogmo as well i don't think there's a ton of like bs about him i think you just plop him in an nhl lineup and he goes out and scores goals uh you know he's a good trigger man he's getting better at both ends uh not phenomenal at both ends but you're not drafting him to do that i i, I don't know if he's like as fun or as skilled as a hoaglander but he certainly can move around the ice he can shoot uh like like very few others uh i like him a lot and uh and the kings might get him sooner rather than later which is always a good thing. I think he's going to be a good player in terms of a goal scorer and, and a shooter. Um, but not sure of like his 200-foot 5-on-5 game. I don't I don't know if he's going to be particularly effective doing that. Uh, but but he should be able to really bring some bring some nice shots to the uh, National Hockey League. Uh, where would you look at, at Jake Sanderson? So, yeah. Uh, I mean, Jake Sanderson is an interesting one to me because you kind of have to think about it like how you value what he does. I probably will have him ranked a little bit higher than where I have him now, but the tier that I have him ranked in, I mean he has I have him at 26, but that doesn't mean that at 26 that's when I start thinking about him. Like the way I would think about it is assuming that all of the names ahead of him are off the board and I'm talking to my team and I'm wanting people to convince me one way or the other to do a certain thing. Could you convince me to take Jake Sanderson over Jan Mishak? Yes. Could you convince me to take him over William Wallander? That's tough. Uh, tough? But maybe. What about Paterka? Probably. Uh, Quinn? Yeah. You know, uh, Lapierre? Yeah. Gushin? If you twist my arm, sure. Uh, Maverick Bork? Probably. Zari? Probably. Um, 
and that might imply that someone like Wallander is ranked too low, but that's a case where it's like there's risk. Like there's real risk with Wallander, but the reward potential is so massive that I would easily consider drafting him ahead of, you know, easily top, basically I would say 10 to 15 range, I would think about it, with someone like Wallander. Sanderson, yeah, I mean, he enters the conversation probably in around the same range. Uh, I, I think that you're kind of aiming a little bit low, though, with Sanderson. Like, I get what he does. He's good at it. Uh, good two-way guy. You know, really, really good defensively in terms of transitions. But I just, every time I watch him, I go, yeah, but I don't know if this will work in the NHL. Like, if his style of play, you know, that really, really safe sort of defensive style is going to translate with any offense. Um so yeah, I, I I don't know. It's gonna be curious to see what happens. Um but I like I, I just think it it's a matter of like what you like in a player, and especially in a defenseman. Like how do you want your defense to play? Because I think there's a multitude of different ways a defenseman can reasonably play the game. I just don't look at Jake Sanderson's style of play and go, I want defensemen like that. But I see the appeal. I really do. Um it's just that there might be some other guys where I go, okay. I can sort of teach William Wallander to be that transition defenseman that Sanderson is with his mobility. Like his skating is so, so good that, that you can work on him and it's going to take a while to get there, but you can help. Sanderson, I think will be a good defensive defenseman with a, a decent offensive ability in terms of moving pucks around the ice. But I just question how it translates long-term in terms of like, if you pick him say 13th overall and Daniel Gooschin goes 30th overall, and in and in five years, Daniel Gooschin is scoring 60 points, you know, 30 goals, 30 assists, and he's filthy nasty because he is, then you're going to go, gee, like, we only had two guys on our team who scored 60 points last year. It would be nice to have three, but instead we have a number four defenseman who can, you know, play decently at both ends. Like, maybe you get yourself a, a, a say, a Colton Pareko or something-esque player out of Jake Sanderson, but I personally don't really see that as extremely likely. Uh, but... He's a good defender in the truest sense of the word. I just, just not really my guy. But to answer your question, I'd say somewhere in the 15-ish range, I would start welcoming the discussion to take him, especially if some better guys are off the board before. Do you think it's far-fetched to say that based on production and age alone, Yarventi has a case to be a top 10 pick similar to Kaliev, albeit in different leagues? No. Uh, no. Mostly because of Yarventi... Scoring a lot on the power play, um, and a lot of the points he scored was stuff that I don't think goes in in the NHL. Um, he showed really well, though. I think there's nice potential with Yarventy, but I think there's a very clear reason why he kind of struggled outside of the Mestis this year, especially in the Liga. His defensive game is sometimes just bad. Um, you know, good speed, good skill for sure, uh, but... Boy, I mean, there's there's still some work to do with him, and I certainly wouldn't put him on the same level as a Kaliev. Uh, I think the shot and the skill with Kaliev is just beyond uh, beyond that. But I would say that Yarventi is still better defensively, but not he's not like a 200 foot, remarkably amazing guy. I think he's going to be a you know give him some time type player. Top 10 would be completely b- bananas. Uh, if you're Steve Eiserman and you've taken Byfield at two, do you leave him in the CHL for another year since he's so raw or do you bring him to the NHL right away? 
I give them a cup of coffee in the NHL. I mean, it's the Detroit Red Wings, and I don't think they're going to be extraordinary next year. You can put I think you can put them in the team, you know, with Dylan Larkin on the team, uh, and and you know maybe someone like Joe Valeno makes the team. You know, you you can you can be upfront with him and be like, look, you might end up back with Sudbury this year, but we're going to give you a chance in the NHL, and and we think you're capable. I think Byfield is perfectly capable of getting himself an NHL job next year with a summer of training, really focusing on watching his own tape and seeing his weaknesses, which he does have some, sure. But we're talking about a guy, you know, in any other year, right? So in any other year, imagine that none of the negative things that were said about Quentin Byfield were said. 45 points in 82 games or 82 82 points in 45 games is 124 points any chl draft pick that scores 125 points in their draft year and does not go straight to the nhl is i can't remember the last time that happened like even if they're a center so i know he's not a center but taylor hall was oh that that won't show me um, like Taylor Hall, first overall pick, he had 106 points in 57 games. Byfield could, could get up to something like 100 points. And Taylor Hall was almost a year older, November 1991 versus an August 2002 birthday. So I think that people are looking at Quentin Byfield's World Junior and getting really skittish. I think they're looking at Maybe him being a little bit lackadaisical defensively, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think he's unequivocally the second best player available in this draft. It might be closer than people think between two and three, maybe, but Byfield was in the exact same boat as Alexi Lafreniere was at the World Juniors last year. He didn't I don't think he played in the gold medal game last year, if I'm not mistaken. Or at least he didn't he was benched in the third period, I think. He was a 13th forward. Byfield is almost in the same boat. And we don't look at Lafreniere and go, gee, would you still take him first overall? Now, I I mean, I think Quinton Byfield is tremendously talented. He's got that Evgeny Malkin-style game that, you know, is so hard to find. He's big, you know, he's skilled, he's got a great shot, great playmaker. I I love how Quinton Byfield plays when when he's on. And yeah, he can be a little bit inconsistent and his defensive play isn't spectacular, but most players at this age don't have spectacular defensive abilities. Marco Rossi is a bit of an exception. Anton Lindell is an exception. I wouldn't say Tim Stutzla's defensive game is fantastic, but people are talking about him maybe going first overall. You know, I like Lucas Raymond's defensive game, but it's not fantastic. You know, like, people's expectations, it's like you want these hockey players to be perfect, and Quentin Byfield doesn't turn 17 until August. Or, sorry, 18. He's gonna need some time to learn some stuff, but the talent that he shows is undeniable. So I think he gets a cup of coffee. Maybe he doesn't stick. But with a summer of training, he gets better and better. He's gonna keep on working. He's gotten this far. And in any other year, someone with that type of production over the course of a full season, especially around that age... Usually those are NHL players. Usually. And I don't think Byfield was a net negative defensively. Yeah, so his defensive rate of goals against was 27% better than his team without him. 
So, and and the raw total of goals against per 60 wasn't great, uh, but but that's still, it was almost as big of an improvement relative to his team as Marco Rossi. So, yeah, he's not perfect, but I think there's all the potential in the world for him to be an NHL player next year, uh, but it wouldn't kill him if if it, if he needs to go back to the CHL. But uh, I would at least give him a good long look, especially if a team like the Red Wings gets him where you're not expected to be phenomenal, you just go out there and it's more of a learning season for your young guys, and maybe that's what they do, you know? I don't know. Uh, Corn on the con. Nice. Like, nice username. Just found your channel. Thank you. Hello. Do you know much about Maxim Muzarov? Yes. Uh, Muzarov is actually not an under-18 player. He is an overager, I think. Yeah, so he was undrafted last year. Um... I like Musarov, actually. I do. I have him on my watch list. Uh, I liked him at the World Juniors for Kazakhstan. Uh, I mean, at the same time, I liked Artur Gatiatov last year for Kazakhstan, and no one picked him, so what, what do I know? Uh, but Musarov is good. He's nice and skilled. A uh, lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, late round pick, I would think about it. Uh, he, he did a really, really good job with Kazakhstan at the World Juniors, all things being considered. Yeah, he was in the KHL this year a bit. Uh, I found him a little bit kind of okay at that level, and I think that's kind of forgivable, but it's kind of whatever. He's kind of okay. Uh, but there's the, the skill is there, the speed is there, the skating is there. I like him. Um, definitely really stood out for his team in, in Astana, although I believe Kazakhstan changed the uh, name of this city, so I think this team's name might be out of date. But we'll talk about that another time. But I think he's a good player. I like Musarov quite a bit. Um, I just don't know if he's like got quite enough to get there, especially for someone that was undrafted last year. And you have to be really careful with overaged players in the MHL. But Musarov would not be a, a surprise to me if someone took a swing on him. Uh, I read some stuff on Jordan Power. Do you have him ranked? No. Um, I don't think I do. Uh, I can't remember if I've seen much of Lincoln this year. So I might need to write this one down. I'll take a look. Uh, let me put this... I have a notepad for names people say that I have not really seen a whole lot of. I feel like I've seen him play uh, a little bit with Lincoln against another team. But, uh, yeah, the USHL also this year has not been particularly great for me in my experience. So, a lot of the guys there I just kind of watch and haven't done a ton of tracking unless they really stand out. There are some things about Jordan Power's profile that stand out on first glance, which is interesting. And not something that I particularly noticed. But uh, I, I will take a look at him and you can ask me in the future. Samuel McGilligan. Elite prospects rank Thomas Bortolo in the late teens. But if I'm remembering correctly, you have him ranked in your second round. What about his play has you less high on him? Yeah. Um, so the thing about him, I think... So first of all, uh, big time net negative defensive player. Uh, net negative offensive player. Tons of involvement at on the power play relative to even strength. Um, I, I think that Bortolo shows really well in terms of when he has a lot of space and he doesn't get faced with a lot of pressure. I used to have Thomas Bortolo ranked really high. I used to have him in my first round because I saw the skill. I saw this, you know, the, the fun factor that was there. But the more I watched the under-18 team and the more I dug into them and him and Ty Smolanich, the less I kind of... Thought there was a lot of upside. 
I think Bordalo, I guess Bordalo does have upside, but it's not, you know, he's a big boomer bust guy to me. Like there's either going to be, he's either going to be this really skilled high octane sort of play at his pace type player that with, with really, really nice hands and a great shot on him. Um, but I, on the flip side, see a player who as a center, he's undersized and doesn't do a tremendous amount that, that, you know, leads me to believe he's going to be a competent center in the, in the NHL. Uh, someone like a Tristan Robbins, who's a similar size, has the mobility and the speed and the determination and is constantly buzzing around the ice and will cover his tracks all the time. Whereas with Bortolo, I think he's more focused on the offensive side and, and, and that sort of slow things down, use my hands to create space and, and make plays from there, which is fine in junior, uh, and maybe even in college, but, but I get the feeling that, you know, without a lot of work in terms of his skating, uh, and his defensive play, he's going to work out tremendously well. Uh, but that's just me. I mean, I, I can see if you want to bet on upside, he's a highly ranked player, but I, I'm not sure I have him on that level. Jake, have you heard about the disagreements between Judd Brackett and Jim Benning? I don't know anything specific. Uh, I don't want to say much about it because I don't really like palace intrigue. Um whatever happens happens i mean if i had a gun to my head i probably would want to keep judd brackett around i think he's done really good things with the vancouver canucks in their drafting um i don't know if it's you know I, it's 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 interesting that maybe he's going to be on his way out if that's what actually happens but i don't know uh i'm not gonna pretend like i'm in the know or anything but you know, I've been a fan of how Vancouver has drafted recently, and I get the feeling that that a lot of that is Judd Brackett and his work. It's kind of his job. Um, so if he ends up leaving, I think someone's gonna he's gonna get picked up pretty quick. Uh, and Jim Benning, I don't know, he's the boss, so I'll let him do what he wants. Uh, Remy Belanger, cool for the mock draft. Yeah, so mock draft is gonna happen. Uh, we'll get a registration thing sent sent out at some point when the when the lottery order is 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 released, and then uh, do a do a lottery of our own or no? Was that what I was gonna do? I don't remember. Oh, uh, team team lottery thing. Like you get to anyway, whatever. Um, yeah. So if you want to be part of the mock draft, just let me know. Uh, if it, we'll 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 organize it somehow i'll i'll get it organized if you don't follow me on twitter follow me on twitter and we'll we'll get it organized um do you think yarmir pitlick gets a pick in the third round i think someone's going to take pitlick higher than that i wouldn't but i think someone will so if he's there in the third round then probably someone will pick him um but i wouldn't personally ethan blian thoughts on dylan jackson is that the one of the twins um in in dubuque uh I think it is, yes. So his link is purple. I have looked at this before. Um, yeah, so I noticed him, actually. Him and his brother. Uh, which one is the one that stuck out a bit more? I get the... F one of them, I feel... I think it was Dylan. I think it was 21. Yeah, I like him. I, I don't know if it's enough to warrant really jumping at the chance to pick him. But I would think about it. He's really skilled, really slick, really slippery... Uh, a lot of fun to watch, you know, and it's not unheard of for overage players to be drafted in the U from the USHL. 
I like Dylan Jackson from what I've seen. If that is the same, I mean, him and his twin brother work really well together. Um, but from what I have seen, you know, I'm pretty sure it was 21. Uh, really, really nice skill on the kid. And, and I, I, you know, we'll see what happens. I think, I think he's been fun for me to watch. I haven't seen a ton of Dubuque play, but he is one of the guys who, when I sort of turn my brain off, I go, who's 21? This guy's good. And Google him and his brother. Both of them are good. Um, so I, 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 I'm curious to see if anyone takes a chance on them. But uh, yeah, I mean, he needs to build on his frame. And I remember thinking that from the from the games I've seen of his or the times I've seen him. Kind of gets knocked off the puck a little bit. He's a, he's a really skilled quick skater, but he is that until he isn't, right? And, and he's one of those guys. I, I, I don't mind it. I think you can work with that long-term, but yeah, uh, I'll be curious to see. He, he has crossed my radar before. Uh, thoughts on Jan Mashak. The more I see him in North American hockey, the more I think he might be a little bit overrated. Uh, but I say that with a big, but, uh, there's a lot to like about him. And I think that he's in the middle of adjusting to North American hockey. He's, he started with Hamilton, not great at five on five and then got much better. And as soon as he started to get a lot better at at five on five, the season stopped. So I would have been curious to see him long-term with the Bulldogs. I imagine he'll be back there next year. I like him. I think he's a first round pick to me. Uh, I think, I think I look at him and yeah, I looked at, um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh yeah. So I have him bumped down to about 25, which is a pretty big drop from where he was before, but that's more so because I've looked at other players and, and see more that I like in those ones relative to Mashak in, in the CHL or in the OHL. Uh, I think that people who think he's a second round pick might be, you know, overdoing it a little, but you know, I, I think he's a good bet for a solid first round pick middle six type player who's pretty versatile plays multiple positions and you know can move around pretty efficiently around the ice i liked him with the check league games that i in the check league games that i saw um so yeah i I haven't tracked any games of his with the bulldogs yet but he is on the list to get there if i have the time now because who knows uh are there any highly touted prospects that you see having red flags uh and who should drop low hockey iq poor work ethic or attitude uh, the first one that comes to mind is Poirier. Uh, he's the first one that comes to mind. Um, you know, usually when you see players drop, it's scoring wingers. Uh, it's, uh, you know, usually scoring wingers, especially undersized ones. Like, I have Alex Poshin ranked at 28. I wouldn't be surprised if he fell all the way to, the, like, the third round. But I ranked him where I ranked him because I don't really care about how tall you are so much if you can play. Uh, you know, and and if you do get knocked around for being small, how do you react to that? It's why I liked Bobby Brink so much, and it's why I like Alexander Poshin so much. He doesn't really take no for an answer. I, I dig it. Um, and he's also really young. So when I'm looking for guys who might have red flags or guys who might drop in the draft, usually it's something to do with, oh, they're small, or oh, they're a winger, so those are easier to find, or blah, 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 whatever you want to make up. Um, and in my opinion, the first name that pops to to my mind is, is Poirier. I just feel like there's a big chance that he just can't get there in terms of 
The mental decision-making, his defensive play isn't great. His uh, mobility is good, but his straight-line skating is not. Uh, just just kind of skeptical. Um, people seem to think there's red flags with Jean-Luc Foudy, and I'm not disagreeing, but I think those red flags are overblown. Uh, I mean, Hendrix LaPierre has red flags about him, but... You know, I read the interview that Scott Wheeler did with him, and I don't know how much of it is BS from him and his agent or whatever, and two concussions still does spook me, but I believe him with the words that he was saying in that article, and I can't remember off the top of my head what they were, but I do remember the feeling I got reading it where he seems to have more than enough confidence that he's going to be fine and that he's going to do whatever it takes to get to where he needs to be. And if you can pick him up in the second round or late first when there's no one you like left and he works out and he ends up being the potentially top 10 pick he could have been this year if he was healthy, then you look like a freaking genius. And how much is that risk worth, you know, worth to you? Is it worth passing on Jack Quinn? Based on what I've seen of Hendricks LaPierre in the past? Kinda. William Wallander, kinda. John Jason Paterka, kinda. Jan Mishak, yeah. You know, like, it would really suck to draft Hendricks Lapierre, say, 18th overall, and 19th overall is, I don't know, Connor Zari, and he ends up being an NHL player, and Hendricks Lapierre never makes it because of injuries. That would suck. But that's hindsight being 2020. You're still gonna bet on, on, on Lapierre sorting it out. I don't think I would pick him that high, but I have him ranked relatively high based on based on that what I'm reading him say and based on what's out there. But again, my whole thing with him has been do your homework and figure it out. I can't do that, so I'll I'll hope that the team that picks him did theirs. Um and how much you trust him and his agent. Uh but yeah, definitely the first one that pops to mind on red flags is is Poirier from what I've seen. I mean, William Wallander has red flags as well, but I mean, can't hate that guy for too long. Um Samuel McGilligan. Hello. That's a great name, McGilligan. Uh how far behind do you think Anton Johansson is from the top 3 Swedes like Granz, Andre and Wallander? Well, I'll tell you. Um I'll tell you how far back. Uh so Super Elite and we'll say defense. Uh, so about 20 spots. <laughs> uh, so I have Wallander at 24, Granz 33, Andre 34, uh, Johannesson 54. I think Johannesson might have trouble translating into the NHL. I think his data looks better than he actually is. I like him, though. I, I think in terms of a puck-moving, passing defenseman, he's got a lot of potential. I just think that his skating needs to to catch up, and his decision making at times has been, oh my god, like, whew, like every time I watch him, I go, okay, maybe this is the game he doesn't send a grenade up the middle of the ice, and then he does it in the first period, and it doesn't cause a goal against, and he can cover his own tracks decently, but I would much rather him not do that. Um, so he's a step behind, but to me, a second round pick doesn't seem out of the out of the question. Uh, Nathan Gravite, big YouTube channel. What up, guy? Senian, we're trending more and more. What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't mind him. I think, though, that seeing him ranked as high as he was by NHL Central Scouting, I'm not totally not on board that high. I, I like, I, I've seen him in high school. I think 
you know, he, he has that like feeling about him where I feel like when things get ratcheted up, it might be a little tough for him to keep up. You know, he, I saw his game with the USA national team and it wasn't particularly wonderful to me. I know some people really like him. I'm not quite on that boat. I don't really know. Like he's one of those defensemen where when he's playing, I kind of go, I don't know what it is you're going to do in the national hockey league. Like you're a good responsible passer. You're not aggressive offensively. Um, but I don't know what you're going to be, you know, like, I don't know how I would deploy you. And I feel like that's a bit of an issue. Um, but maybe I just need to see more of, of him play. I, I, I can't say I've seen a tremendous amount, but I've seen a couple of high school games and the NTDP game that he played. He's going to Chicago next year, which is a good spot for anyone, but we'll see. I, I, I don't, I just don't know. Um, and by Chicago, I mean the steel. Uh, hey, Will. Hi, Will. Hope you're well. I'm trying. What are your thoughts on Evan Veerling? I don't mind him. I, 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 with Barry, he did get a lot better uh getting out of flint I, I he's a you know decent skill guy all around type player i don't know if i would pick him at least not super high uh i don't i i do like how he plays i think he you know when he has those bursts of speed those bursts of skill it's really interesting and, and i feel like he's one of these really smart sort of adaptable players where he adapts to the situation around him pretty well uh and doesn't really need to show off a ton I just don't, I just don't know that I find that kind of hard to project long-term. So I don't know. Um, I might need to just see more of him because I've only seen a little bit of him and mostly with Barry, but I don't, I'm not sure. I like him, but I don't, I, I know some people really like him and I'm not sure I'm on that boat. Like, let me check where I have him ranked. I have him ranked. Um, where is it here? Yeah, so I have him ranked higher than most people, apparently, at 69. So third round-ish. And I feel pretty okay with that, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Jasper Johansson, is there a player that has a 1A attribute this year, and how would you have rated Caulfield's shot with your rating system? Well, Caulfield, usually the shot thing I base on the tracked data. So I can't really say what I would rate Cole Caulfield's shot as uh, in terms of a rating. Based on what I saw of him with Wisconsin tracking Holloway, based on what I saw last year with the US NTDP tracking guys like Fensori and York, uh, Caulfield probably would have been like a 1B. You know, like I, he takes a lot of medium danger shot attempts and, and kind of shoots from everywhere, which is fine. And with a shot like his, you can do that. Uh, and with Alexander Holtz kind of thing, he was not shooting it from dangerous areas. Cole Caulfield can. He can get there. He has skill. He's nice and shifty. He gets low to the ground, uses his center of gravity really effectively a lot of the time. I like him a lot. Uh, I don't know about a 1A. Like a like a 1A to me is like Connor McDavid skating. That's a, like, like every single time he steps on the ice, you just cannot do anything unless you commit a penalty. You know, like it just doesn't matter. Like anything that it's like, you literally cannot beat this person. You cannot No, He is the best all of the time at that skill, which is why I don't give them out. A, a, a 2A is much more common, obviously, because it's, it's more of a measure of like, okay, there's good, competent, you know, rock solid play here. Nothing extraordinarily high level, but at least it's consistent. 
you know, someone uh, I, I'm trying to remember of it, like like Lucas Reichel, for example. He's a two A because all of his shot attempts basically were medium and high danger, and his shot on its own like i wouldn't park him on a power play on the faceoff dot and just tell him to crank shots all game long i wouldn't do it uh but i trust him to get his shots which are fine from places where you're more likely to score a lot of the time so that's when i'm like okay you know this this guy can this guy gets it in terms of the positioning and and how you score goals but the quality of his shot isn't quite on the level of someone like a Cole Caulfield. And in terms of a 1A this year, I don't know. Because I don't think there's anyone in this in this draft that is constantly doing anything in those categories. Someone, like, I mean, I don't want to give away a ton. But to me, to me. Someone like a Jean-Luc Foodie might push it for the passing. Like, a third of his pass attempts are to the slot, and he completes 75% of his passes. 75% passing is, I would say, average, especially for junior-level forwards. It's about normal. But to have a third of his passes going to those areas is just silly. And per 60 minutes, I think, per 60 minutes... Uh, yeah, so per 60 minutes at 5-on-5, so not 4-on-4, not power play, not the penalty kill, 5-on-5, he's sending one of those dangerous pass attempts about every two minutes he's on the ice. So about every two minutes he's trying, that's 28 and a half per 60 minutes. He's trying to put the puck into an area that you score from. You know, that's pretty often. And and I think that he's going to push that kind of, of a of a category. Other categories with him won't be that high. You know, I I cannot see Foodie being below a 1B. And I know that I've given out a 1B to other guys for less than that. So he's pushing it. But he's like the only one that jumps out as so far of an outlier that it might that it might just happen. Um you know, Gooschin's shooting instincts. I mean, Gooschin gets 15.8 high danger shot attempts per 60 minutes. No one with a decent sample is anywhere close. Uh, you know, uh, Seth Jarvis is at 13. Perfetti's at 13. Lucas Reichel was at 16.7. So even then, Reichel still didn't quite get there, but that's mostly because of the quality of his shot. But you know, someone like a Cole Caulfield, if he was getting all of his shot attempts from medium danger or all of his shot attempts with a large chunk of them being high danger, and he shot it like he did, that would probably be a 1A. Um, but I don't think he was quite there. But I don't have any data tracked on Caulfield, to be honest. Uh, could you see any teams taking on Emil Vero in the early second round? Sorry, I sliced my finger on cardboard yesterday and it's really bugging me. Uh... Would you take? Would you see Emil Vero in the early second round? I think someone will take the chance on him. I don't mind him, but I wouldn't pick him super early. Uh, I, I think he's certainly competent in terms of defensive play, and his skating is good, but the brain is where things kind of lose me. I cannot stand defensemen who do not at least try to maintain control of the puck, and he is not one of those guys from what I've seen. He is much more of an off-the-glass-and-out type defenseman, dump and chase style 
So if your team wants to play dump and chase in 2020 or 2023 or whenever he comes over, be my guest. I probably would not. Um, but, you know, mid-round guy, if you want to turn his skating into something more beneficial that, that lines up with your style of play, then sure, I would think about it. Um, but I feel like that's kind of hard to do, like reprogramming a player. But it, it might be doable. Uh, Cole B, just interested to see how you watch your CHL games. Uh, the expensive way. <laughs> Uh, how do you how do you believe we solve the Israel Palestine beef? As much as I would love to answer that question with a perfectly, perfectly eloquent and accurate and truthful statement, uh, it would get my video demonetized on YouTube. So I'm gonna skip that one. Sorry. Um, Cole B, how did you like Artem Schlein? Where is it? Where's our? Where is that? Qu- it keeps bouncing around. Uh, yeah. Did you watch him play for Shattuck or Muskegon? I've seen him play for both. I watched him with Muskegon this week. Uh, I like him. I, I think he's a nice, rambunctious, offensive guy. Uh, you know, really like him with Shattuck St. Mary's. You know, I'm not sure where he gets picked. Uh, but with Muskegon, I thought he looked pretty darn good. Uh, and and uh, in the limited time he was there. And with Shattuck, I mean, he's arguably, if not definitely, their best player. Maybe Maddox Fleming is up there too. Scott Morrow looked really good as well. But... Artem Schlein is a good player, and I think that, you know, you give him some time to sort of rein in his game a little bit and be a little bit more conservative, he can kind of get himself in trouble a little bit by overplaying pucks and, you know, being a little bit too excited, but maybe that's just from, you know, oh my god, I'm in the USHL kind of thing, because with Shattuck, I feel like he looks pretty darn good. So, I'm a fan of his, I have him ranked in the third round, um, but I imagine he'll he might be available a little bit later but he's a center who's above six feet tall and he plays at shattuck st mary's so maybe someone like minnesota picks him pretty high i don't know but but i'm a fan of his i think he's undervalued tony thin ferrari uh i'll give you a one-word answer to your question about emil or uh about uh evan veerling's trade to barry yes his analytics did improve after being traded uh, but my thoughts on him have been have been spoken. Samuel McGilligan again. Hello. Uh, Braden Schneider is often listed as a first-round pick, sometimes a top 20. I find Nemo's game translates better, and yet he's always in the second round. What gives with that? Well, you see, Braden Schneider is Canadian, and Topi Nimala is from Finland. You're not wrong, either. I, I, I think Braden Schneider is a okay defenseman but top 20 is silly to me i mean i know he has his fans but i'm not one of them topi nimala if you want a defensive defenseman who's like competent he's not that bad of an option um i I really like topi nimala i don't think he has a ton of upside but if you just want like a guy who might be second pair and you just kind of put him out there to play defensively, great. That that could be perfectly cool, but I certainly don't think I'd use a first-round pick on that. Second round, if I especially had multiple picks before him, definitely, definitely would look at, at picking him up. Mr. Radzap, without a combine this year, what service do you trust for player heights and weights since junior teams don't seem to keep accurate info? Elite prospects, NHL, central scouting, but they won't have that, I guess. I don't even really care that much about height to be perfectly honest. I mean, in a sense, it's, it's, it's interest. It's interesting to, to know, 
but I kind of prefer to look at how a player plays and, and how they generate what the results they get or how they generate the results they get. Height does matter in a sense, but if it's off by an inch or whatever based on elite prospects or something, then it's not the end of my planet. Um, I, I know some people might take that seriously, but I wouldn't. Uh, holy crap, Bill Belichick is here. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Niraj Reddy, why are you not that high on Forster? His primary assist and goal totals are quite high compared to other CHL players in their drafter from the past 10 years. Because uh, a lot of it is... Well, there's a couple of reasons. A lot of it is uh, power play production is pretty high. His and But the big thing with him is defense. I know you might be drafting him to be a trigger man offensively. Sure, he might score a lot. He, he'll probably be a guy who scores a ton of points in junior over the next couple of years, for sure. But I have never been particularly taken with his skating, never been particularly taken with his defensive ability, um, and you need to be competent defensively. You need to be at least competent. If you're going to be an offensive player long-term, you need to chip in defensively, and I don't really see that out of Forster. I could be wrong. I also look at Forster scoring a primary point on 56% of the goals scored at even strength when he's on the ice. That's not that's that's average, I would say. Uh like second round pick, sure. If you just need a trigger man on the wing, fine. I just I look at his defense, and I look at how he skates around the ice, and I just don't know. Parked in the offensive end when plays really grinding along against the boards, Tyson Forster is a guy that I want in open ice, trying to find open ice and making himself open. Because when he gets open, he gets that shot off, then yeah, great. The guy's amazing. But not... I'm not on board with, you know, being finding him super undervalued. I might have him ranked a little low, but I'm just skeptical that he's going to work out as a, you know, professional player long-term. But, you know, not a terrible idea in the second round for sure. Uh, yes, they sip. Hey, Will, hope you're doing well. Who, what do you think out of McMichael, Byram, and Cousins are NHL ready next year? Uh, I don't know about Byram. I think one more year wouldn't hurt him. Uh, and Colorado doesn't really need to rush him. Cousins might. I think be able to crack it with the with the with the Sabers, McMichael maybe. I mean, I think McMichael almost made the Capital last year. It depends on what the roster for the Capitals looks like. I'm not sure that they're going to have the room, uh, at least not to make it make sense. But I also think that McMichael has had a great year in uni- in university in uh in 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 London this year. You know, I, I I'm not surprised, but I'm not quite ready to do that although cousins i think could potentially get there uh wouldn't andre improving his play in the shl be a good thing rather than a bad thing yeah i didn't mean to come off like it was a bad thing um it's just i just meant it's like strange how that happens because he's not the only one like helga grons i found looked a lot better in the shl versus the juniors william wallander when he went to all the allspenskin looked a lot more refined than he did in the juniors um so i don't know if it's like yeah, I'm ready to play in the SHL. Look what I can do. And when you're back in junior, you're you're like, ah, what a... I could be with the big club, but I'm not. I don't know. Personally, I don't think it's a bad thing at all because it means that that's the highest level of play and that's what they're capable of at that level. So it is a good thing. So I don't I don't mean to come off as it's a bad thing. 
Um, hey, Will, do you see Louis Crevier getting drafted this summer? Yeah, probably. He's got decent. He's got decent ability. He's got decent talent. I, I'm not thrilled about him, but I do like Crevier, just not like a tremendous amount. I think he gets picked though because he's a big defenseman and his numbers aren't terrible. Uh oh, Heart of Lad is here. Cool. What does your draft day look like? Will you be streaming? Are you going to be following it through Twitter or broadcast? Draft day feels like a mess. Last year I streamed uh, for charity. We're going to do it again. It was a lot of fun. We raised like, I matched donations last year and then we ended up with, I think, $630 for You Can Play. I think, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to do that again. Try and beat that number. Uh, I hope you all show up. So yeah, unless there's something incredibly magical that happens... Uh, I won't be involved in the draft. I won't do anything like that. It'll be here. Uh, we might make some nice decorations and stuff for, for the room. Um, and uh, yeah, but at the end of the day, I think we're going to try to stream it for the whole day. Uh, both days, I should say. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to be taking some time off work as well to really crunch down before the draft. Um, and I'll probably follow it through broadcast or you know, like elite prospects, live updates. So I'll probably be doing it through there. The thing that was kind of weird last year was that the picks were getting spoiled for me because my broadcast was delayed from television and the elite prospects page was also delayed. So it was kind of, it kind of threw me off. Um, (laughs) so I, I might, uh, eliminate, like I might hide the chat during the picks, because I was looking at it in my monitor here, you know, the, the, the little little messages that pop up in the corner. I might not do that this year, um, but uh, I, I, I definitely will be on the internet during the stream and do whatever I can to make sure my internet doesn't drop. Uh, what do you see are Rossi's flaws? There's a little bit of inconsistency with a lot of parts of his game. Uh, I think he can try to do a little bit too much a lot of the time. Um, I really do love him. I think that the potential is huge with him. Uh, he can get knocked off pucks a little bit, but I think he's going to figure that out over time. Um, you know, but, but he's a really smart player, uh, just a little bit inconsistent, I would say. Uh, but as a transition player, I think he's elite, uh, playmaker, truly stupendous as a playmaker, uh, good shooting instincts as well. And, uh, you know, just a great overall play driver. I'm looking at his data now, like when he's on the ice, the Ottawa 67s generate 16.2 high danger shot attempts. And of all of the players we've profiled so far, the next highest is uh, Gundler at 11.67. So not only does that say, hey, how, here's how good Noel Gundler can be when he's on the ice, but Marco Rossi is just way out in front in that metric. And the only other one even close uh, with a bigger sample is Lafreniere at 20. Uh, Pavel Tutniev, interestingly enough, is at 16.75. So that's kind of interesting. Um, that's very interesting. But Marco Rossi is a good player. I just think that there's, you know, inconsistencies in terms of his ability to move pucks around the ice uh, with his passing, I would say, and getting knocked off the off pucks a little bit too easily, especially when he's under pressure along the boards. That That board play can be a bit tough for him. But... I have all the pa- all the patience and all the time in the world for that kid. Uh, just wondering, says Bill Belichick, can you play quarterback? No. Funnily enough, when I was in high school, which we didn't have a football team because we were so small, uh, I wanted to be kicker. Sue me. 
Uh, Sam Kohler, I'm late, but I'm here. Welcome. Who would you look for at the Blues at 30th? I was thinking Paterka or Brisson would fit. Maybe they they make the Lapierre swing. Paterka would be an interesting one. They went for a, a, a German a couple of years ago, taking Bach. They traded him. Um, so they do have some idea of German hockey. Uh, I don't know if I would do Brisson at 30. I probably would push for Paterka more. Lapierre would not be a bad pickup either at that range, especially if you're the Stanley, like if you're the St. Louis Blues and you're just like, yeah, whatever. We didn't make, we haven't made a bunch of picks anyway. Let's take a risk. And if we end up with a top 10 player, then good for us. So that might make sense. Uh, Bill Belichick is always asking questions. Do you watch Family Guy? No, not since I was in university, I would say. Uh, any specific thing you look for in a center that should, that anything specific you'd look for in a center that would have been, t- that could be, uh, I'll paraphrase, um, transitioning a center into a winger. What do you look for? Uh, I've heard it's usually easy, but there are things to look out for. So I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not a coach. So I'll give you my perspective on how I would handle it as a coach with no experience. If I have a center who's a natural center and I'm trying to turn them into a winger, like you have to really think about why you're making that switch and what you're expecting out of them. So if I think there's plenty of centers out there who are naturally just more offensively leaning, they don't focus as much on back checking or tying up guys in front of the net. Um, they're, they're not always the first forward back checking they're they're you know they're focused on getting deep into the offensive end and trying to make play there that's perfectly fine but you know you need guys to fill in those gaps so if there's a center who's naturally like that and i have a lot of centers who i can rely on at both ends of the ice for example you can just say your natural playing style might suit you to being a winger And I think that you should be building your offensive system around having guys like wingers generally play more along the boards. So fighting through pressure, driving up the ice with speed along the boards or cutting into open ice. Like, I think you should be building your offense to, to allow both your centers and wingers to play in open ice and alternate between who's along the boards and who's along the open ice. I I think that that's, you need your offense to be free flowing in my experience. So I think you take a center who sort of might be more of a natural sort of offensive leaning player with nice skill, nice mobility, and can play with a lot of determination. So someone who, when they're pinned against the boards or someone's trying to pin them against the boards, they keep their feet moving and just keep pushing forward. You know, know where their opponent, know where their teammates are, know where their opponents are, and just try to maintain possession if you're facing pressure. Centers tend to like playing more in open ice, obviously, because they're down the middle. So, in my experience, in my in my mind, you know, you can say, like, if you're a winger, you can still play in open ice. You know, some wingers love to hug the boards and just drive up the ice along the boards. Sure, that's fine. But you don't have to, in my opinion. You, you can carve into the middle of the ice a little bit. Someone just has to cover for you and support you and give you an out option if, you know, your your defensive players chase you into the middle of the ice and try to come at you with their, with their stick. You know, you, you it's all about awareness to me. And I think centers, though, like good centers have really good awareness of where everyone is on the ice. You know, good sort of two-way ability to, you know, not only pick up pucks in the defensive end, but push, you know, spot their wingers, get the puck to their wingers and move the puck up the ice. Like, that's why I love someone like Marat Kuznodinov so much. But if you get someone who's maybe not doing that, 
and the wingers aren't also covering defensively for your center, then maybe you think about taking a center and saying, look, your style of play might just be better suited to being on the wing. Maybe you take the face off, but you're primarily going to be on the right wing and you and the center will have to communicate and, and manage where you're positioned a little bit more effectively. But it's hard. It's, I, I, I can see how that might be considered an easy transition, but it's so much of it, I think, comes down to like specifically what tactics your team is employing. Um, Cole B. Wow, you had a Drysdale drop. What happened in your tracking? I don't think it was that bad. Um, it was, like, I have him ranked what? Dr oh my god. Dr Drysdale. Uh, yeah, so I have him at 7. I think I had him at 6 last week. I only bumped him down because I'm not totally, like, in love with the guy. There's just, I think, six other players I would rather have on my team instead of Jamie Drysdale. I think people are looking at him with rose-colored glasses as the only CHL defender that's really high level at this at this draft. Like, I think he's a top 10 pick, but I'm not sure right now that he's like this unbelievable future top pair guy. I think he's a good two-way defender, really calm, really patient, knows how to control the pace of the game, really knows how to pass the puck really effectively. Um, I just, I'm not, you know, his defensive play, I don't think translates immediately. I, I, I think his skating doesn't come out often enough. But, you know, I, I think he takes too long defensively to decide what he wants to do. He can be a bit soft defensively as well, which... You know, people are going to take advantage of that if they see that as a weakness. Um, so I'm just not, he's not a guy where I'm going, this is a top five pick to me. This is a guy I take at third overall, blah, blah, blah. But top 10, absolutely. Like if I'm looking at my rankings for the top 10, he's ranked ahead of Lindell, Holtz, and Askarov. I could very easily be convinced to take him above any of those players. But, you know, for various reasons. But looking at him versus even Perfetti and you know definitely Stutzla and Raymond and Rossi and all those guys I just think that there's more to like with those guys that's more projectable right now um I have Drysdale third overall just slightly above Raymond Rossi and Stutzla in that order Woo boy that's whew. um do you see him becoming a top pairing defenseman similar to Hughes and McCarr why or why not uh, he's not that type of defenseman those two guys are high-octane offense, offense, offense guys. I don't see that with Drysdale. Drysdale is much more of a two-way cerebral-type defender uh, who still has some work to do, personally. I just don't see him on the same level as as guys like Hughes and McCarr. But, you know, when his skating gets going, he maybe could be on that level. But he doesn't really play that attacking offensive style like those two guys do. Um, you know, he's much more of a defensive zone exit type generator. And then the offense is something where he makes a pass and it gets to a teammate and they take over from there. He's not going to be the type of guy that often goes end to end. He can jump into an offense and he does it more often than a lot of defensemen, but he, and he knows how to pick his spots doing that. It's, it's effective. Um, but it's not like his game, right? So not sure I'd have him on that level, at least not right now. What do you think Rossi and Stutzla project as? Center or winger? Rossi, center, Stutzla, winger, I think, personally. I think Stutzla could be an unbelievable unbelievable winger. And I think Rossi could be a, just a great two-way 
offensive leaning, you know, pivot. I, I think that's no question. When you're a GM, I like the phrasing. Uh, do you think player personality is at least 20% of the pick, if not more? I don't know about 20% of the pick, but I, it factors in. You know, like I want to build a group of players that like each other and push each other to, you know, be a group that can get along and, and be as good as they can be. You know, like everyone has to feed off of each other positively, right? And you can't, I don't think you can anticipate how different people will interact. You know, like it's, to me, it's like any job or any situation where you're inserted into a group, you could adore the people that you've been inserted with. It could be a a class in first year university and there's a project, Biology 101. Here's your group for Biology 101 report in September. And it's three people, two of whom you've sat next to, and you you got off great. You might think it's perfect. And then when things start to get rolling and you get to know these people a little bit better, maybe it all falls apart and it becomes a complete disaster. And that you can't foresee something like that. So in my opinion, like there's only so much you can do. And, you know, it factors in. There's certainly, you know, you want players who will fit your system first. You know, how you like the game to be played. That's what you have to focus on, you know, and then the type of person you want exemplifying your, your organization, that's kind of secondary to me. And again, you're dealing with kids, so you have to be able to say, okay, ideally we wouldn't like you to be this type of person, but we hope that you grow out of it by the time you're 20 or 21. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, you know, you don't think that working out in the gym is particularly valuable to you, well, you're going to get a real rude awakening when you hit the NHL or the AHL and everyone is out to get you because they know that you're this hotshot junior kid. You're going to need to fight through it, right? It's like everyone who should be watching The Last Dance right now if you haven't already. Like Michael Jordan facing the Pistons. They know you're Michael Jordan. They know that they, they, they're not dumb. They've read the reports. They've seen the news. You're the guy that went third overall. We're going to clown. We're going to just destroy you. Especially if you're not prepared for it. So there is a part of the mental side of things where I think there's a preparedness that factors in. I just don't know if I would put a ton of thought into it because I think that with kids, you know, you have to treat them like people, just like any kid. Just talk to them and be like, you know, let's 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 get to where we need to be in order for you to be as successful as you could be. Um <laughs> Jamie John P. Who's Jamie Drysdale? Uh, he is, uh, a guy who picks up my garbage every week, believe it or not. Uh, same name. Remarkable coincidence. Where can I find your 2018 rankings and reports? Uh, well, the reports are videos on the channel. Uh, the, 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 the rankings, let me find them. Um, 2018 rankings. Here we are. Oh my God. It's on my old website. Uh, There we are. Those are my old rankings from 2018. Now I'm reading them over. Um, I'll put them in here. Pretty fun stuff. Some pretty bad takes in here, but some pretty decent ones. Uh, I still believe in Ty Smith. Still believe in Akil Thomas. Still believe in Ryan Merkley. Still believe in Joe Valeno. Uh, I stand by my Barrett Hayton ranking. Um, I still believe in Jonathan Berggren. Uh, who else is in here? Sarah Noel. 
still believe in him. Kalen Addison, love that guy. Um, anyway, flip through that. It's fun. Okay. Uh, when do you think picks could start going off the board? I think three and a lot of people could agree on who it should be. When do you think picks could start going off the board? Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Um, well, it depends at three what you mean by off the board. If Askarov is third overall, I wouldn't be surprised. If Jamie Drysdale is third overall, I wouldn't be surprised. If Alex Holtz is third overall, I might be a little surprised, personally. But not really. Like, if Jake Sanderson goes third overall, then that would be pretty wild. I think outside of the top five is when you'll start seeing some really crazy stuff happen. Sam, did you create your spreadsheets yourself? Yes. If so, did you use Python and where did you get the statistics from? I sourced the stats from Elite Prospects and Pick 224, uh, and then it's refined further from Pick 224. So they Dave farms all the data. If you don't follow him or use his website, do it um, because he's great. It's a great website for this kind of stuff. Uh, but I just refine it myself and and go from there. Uh, I do know how to navigate sort of using Python, but in terms of scraping stuff and organizing data and, and accumulating it, still not there yet. Still need to learn. That's a project that I've been trying to get myself to learn for years and I haven't been able to yet. Um, might be trying it out in R because it seems a little more streamlined, but we'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Harrison Lee's here. Hello. How are you? Jean-Michel Pru, your favorite defenseman on the NTDP that is not named Sanderson. Good question. I think the answer is Eamon Powell. Um, I think. Yes, Eamon Powell. I'm a big fan of him. I mean, big fan is in like 100th overall on my on my sheet, but I like him. Uh, do you ever hear of prospects that listen to you and disagree with your assessments of them? Um, I, uh, I can't recall... I've heard I've heard from a couple of parents over the years. Uh nothing bad. It's a lot of it is like a couple of it a couple of them have been like, hey, you know, uh heard what you said about my kid. Just thanks for bringing him up. A couple of times it's like, hey, my kid's wondering if he's gonna be drafted. Can you give me an honest estimate from your perspective? Is this possible? That's happened a couple of times, and I've been honest and uh, I, I won't say who, but it, it has happened. Um, I've, I know that there are, I don't, I don't know any specific examples of someone coming straight to me, but I'm pretty sure that, that, that I can't remember exactly who or how or when, but I feel like I saw a YouTube comment or something that someone saw it as a teammate of someone or something. I, I might be wrong, but it happens sometimes. In ter- but but more often than not, it's like it's parents. You know, like I have parents who email me or message me on Twitter even. And, you know, just like, hey, what do you think about my kid? Or like, hey, you know, we're really, you know, just want to say thanks for the work and like all this stuff. And we're really excited for draft day weekend and whatever. Um, you know, that that happens sometimes, but nothing like crazy. And I've I've never had anything like like that. That was negative, personally. Uh, thoughts on Brett Berard? I think he's the youngest player on the draft. He is. I really like Brett Berard. I'm a big fan of his. I want to get to seven games. Don't know if I'll have the time, but I want to. Um, I wasn't too impressed with LaPierre outside of the Holinka, but I understand his injuries have hampered his play. That is true. Do you think a healthy season would have pushed him ahead of Mercer and Bork? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Xenome Project. Who are you? 
Hey, Scouch. What up? My favorite person from Carolina. I, I don't remember if you're actually from Carolina, but you're a Hurricanes fan, and that's all right with me. Uh, does Emil Vero go in the third round? Probably, but I think he'll go quicker than that. Uh, when I watched Poirier f- play, I felt like a lot of his offense came from sacrificing defensive play. Sure. Yes. Do you think it's possible to see his defensive play progress without losing the offense? Yeah. I mean, he just needs to care defensively. Like, a lot of the time, you're just like, what are you... Like, he... It's rare where players do stuff where I go, what are you doing? And he's one of those guys where sometimes I watch him play and I'm going, what are you doing? Like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, you... It's like he... It's like it seems like a lot of the time when he plays defense, he can't wait to get the puck back. He just cannot wait to start playing offense again. And that's not how you play defense, you know? And it's not that he's, like, over-committing. It's that he just kind of goes, I'm just going to sit back, something's going to happen, and I'll start playing offensively again. And he's not wrong most of the time. But, yeah, he sacrifices a lot to push offensively. And almost to a fault a lot of the time. Like, I've seen him go into more one-on-threes than I can count on my fingers and toes. And it's kind of annoying. Like, I would really like defensemen to, if they're going to do that, be able to pull it off. And sometimes he does, like once every 10 tries. I'm being a little bit exaggerated. I'm exaggerating a bit, but you know what I mean. Um, you know what I mean. Uh, fun. Fun. Made it to a live stream. I always watch them after. Hey, welcome. Welcome, getting steezy. Uh, who has the top three best hands of the draft? Interesting. Um... Best hands in the draft. Stutzla's up, definitely up there. Um, Lafreniere. I'd say Lafreniere, Stutzla. And if I'm being bold, I would put Dylan Holloway up there. I don't. I think Dylan Holloway, guys like Holloway, Rodion Amirov is really good with his hands as well. Uh, Perfetti as well is good, but I don't think he's quite on the same level as Amirov and... Uh, and um and Holloway like Holloway's hands period are really really cool uh but definitely Lafreniere and Stutzler are, are up there and if I had to bet I'll I'll give an honorable mention to Amirov and put Holloway at three that might be a bit of a take but I'll 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 take it does Tyler Clevin deserve to go undrafted or does he <laughs> he'll get picked and I think he'll he deserves to get picked he's not horrible but not my type. Uh, why Sanderson is so high? Why is Sanderson so high? Because he has lots of talent or just because he's a defense and would be drafted higher than he has talent? I think I know what you're saying. He's regarded very highly because, you know, his skating is good. He's very big. He's very young. His defensive play, especially in transition, is very good. He's great with his stick. He doesn't need to overcommit physically. Um... In terms of a defensive defenseman, he's the brand of defensive defenseman that I look at. And it's not, I have him ranked low, not because I don't like him. I have him ranked low because he's the type of player that I think, like everyone says, scoring wingers are easy to find. You can find scoring wingers all the time, so you may as well just wait until the second round to pick one. I don't think that's true at all. You always want guys who can score. The guys who you can find all of the time are competent defensive players that just pop up in free agency. Or you draft skill and then trade other skill or trade the players you draft to fill the holes with that you might need. So in my opinion, 
Someone like Sanderson, I think, is a perfectly valid player in the first round. I don't, I just don't see using an extremely high pick on him as being something you really need to do. You know, in in terms of what he could be at his best down the road, I think he's good. I, I really like his defensive play, but I think people look at him and go, you know, he's big, he's young, he's you know, he's great in transition. He's got a great stick. He can move pucks well most of the time. So sure, that's a valuable part. Perfectly valid. I just don't agree on the same level as, say, putting him in the top 10 or top 15. Outside of that range, sure, we can talk. So he's an interesting case of the style of player and where you pick that. And in five years, we'll see uh, where, where that shakes out. But I've seen a lot of defensemen with similar profiles get picked in the first round and just can't keep up when things get ratcheted up because they don't have the 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 skill or the offensive ability to at least you know be reliable overall you know like you 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 want your def- in my opinion I've said this a few times now I want my defenseman to be the type of defenseman who avoid playing in the defensive zone in the first place be aggressive use your stick use your feet use your you know use your passing use your skill everything just don't play in the defensive zone. That's your job. I don't, and, and if a defenseman can't play in transition, but they're great when, when shutting down cycles defensively, you know, if they're big physical guys who just wait and wait and wait and face shot after shot after shot, and then bang, that's when they step in and go. That's not my style of play. I don't want to make my goalie do any work. That's my goal. Um, not that Sanderson is that type of player. Uh, what's your opinion on Brock Faber? We just talked about a player like him, but if I want a physical defenseman, he's not the worst option in this year's draft. He's nice and mobile, physical, but I, not not a guy that I'm putting super high on my list. Uh, I just like Eamon Powell's calm, more fluid sort of puck control style of play. Do you think Fensori makes it in the NHL as a forward defenseman or a crazy hybrid between the two? He should be a defenseman. I think he's perfectly capable of doing it. He had a great year in Boston University this year. I like him. He's a weirdo with so much talent and speed, but I wonder if he'll need the team that really embraces positionless hockey, sort of like Quenville. Yeah, I think he's going to be up there in Carolina. I think they seem to be pretty free-flowing. He's a nice change of pace for Carolina's defense over time. I think he's another year or two away from the NHL, from pro hockey, but he's I have all the faith in the world in Dominic Fensori, and I wish I picked him last year on my list. But those dastardly, dastardly Hurricanes were too smart uh silly happy good name your thoughts on carter savoy those are my thoughts uh is benning any good kinda but not as good as his numbers indicate and not as good as people seem to think he might be in terms of a top two round pick and also with carter savoy since he was brought up as well i just don't think he projects uh the ajhl is a really frustrating league to watch the the crusaders are fun but Every single game I've seen of them at 5-on-5, they're getting slapped around. And I would really prefer them not to. And that, But that only is also when Carter Savoy is on the ice, or Michael Benning. When Carter Savoy is on the ice, he is not in the defensive zone ever. He hangs out in the neutral zone, they give him the puck, he takes three strides, shoots it, and it goes to the, into the net. That's great, but you don't see very many players with that type of style work out long-term, you know, 
you, you can sort that out pretty quickly. And when you're playing basically shorthanded, when the player's on the ice at 5 on 5, that's a problem. Uh, what's more sexy? <laughs> the 2021 draft or 2022? Uh, I'd say 22. That's my lean, but I don't know yet. Ask me in a year. Brian McAvoy, I enjoyed your recent video on Yoni Yermo. Thank you. He seems like the type of player the Red Wings scouting staff would go for in the second round. Yes, they probably would. Uh, they, they would probably think about doing that. He could be a nice alternative to someone like an anti-Tuomisto. Um, wouldn't be the worst idea. And if the Red Wings do that, that would make them smart in the second round. Nathan Weber, hey, Will, rate your Russians. Gushin, Kuznetinov, and Ponomaryov. Uh, Kuznetinov, Gushin, and Ponomaryov. Uh, I'd say Ponomaryov is behind those two others, personally. Uh, what do you think Torgerson's upside is? Also, do you think who do you think has the highest upside uh, that you have in the third round? So that would be these players. Um, all of these players in the third round. Highest upside? Like... Mm, that's a good question okay highest like everything goes right upside probably Yuso Mayanpa uh I a lot of these guys I just like and a lot of these guys that I have ranked in the third round I I don't have a ton of faith in to like get there but if you know I love Benjamin Baumgartner the more I watch him he's an overrager but I the more I watch him, the more I just love. Um, but he's already kind of further along in his development, and I don't know how much upside he has. Yusuf Mayanpa is like boomer bust to the max. Uh, I mean, Joel Blomqvist is a goalie, and if, you know, and Drew Camezzo, and if either of those guys or Nico Dawes turn into a number one, then that's pretty good. That's a pretty big, big swing that you took, and it worked. So, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to answer that. To, to be honest uh because it's you know most of those guys with a ton of upside are higher up but in that range there's a lot of interesting picks for me here um and with torgerson i don't know if he's going to be a top six guy but just a rambunctious front of the net type guy good at both ends as a winger you know really really versatile player i like him a lot uh maybe a second line two-way winger down the road uh really good puck control you know, really, really good in terms of just getting to the net, being a pain in the butt to handle. Uh, I, I think he's going to be one of those guys, and I, I'm a, I'm a d big fan. Um, who are the more physical defensemen in this year's draft, and who are also reliable defensively? Okay, well, Sanderson is one that's really reliable defensively, I would say. Uh, I think Caden Gooley is also pretty good defensively. I don't know how much that projects. Topi Niemela is another one that I really like. Um... Who else? Uh, but in terms of physical defensemen, if I had to pick one and you twisted my arm for someone that chases physicality, it would probably be Caden Gooley, uh, personally. I mean, Brock Faber's not awful either, um, but physical defensemen just aren't also my jam. Mitch Miller might be another one as well. Um, but other than that, not a ton. Not a ton. I think that the physical defenseman is a bit of a misnomer nowadays i think the game you know physicality to me is a last resort that's my read of it you 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 play the puck you 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 play to possess the puck and if you just can't do anything else then you play the body 
that's my attitude around it. Uh, but the focus of the game should be the puck because you just don't care. Yeah, you can separate guys from the puck by hitting them, but you're also separating yourself from the puck by hitting them. And you don't know if someone's coming around the other side. You don't know if someone's supporting you. You know, you really got to pick your spots if you're going to go for a big hit or try to separate a guy from the puck that way. That's that's kind of my vibe. Uh, Mathis Desjardins. Important question. Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, or Harry Potter? Star Wars. I mean, they might have really ruined it. Maybe. But I'll watch. If if I had to watch either um, The Fellowship of the Ring, A New Hope, or Harry Potter's first movie, and I was, you know you know, someone taped my eyes open, uh, someone taped my eyes open and forced me to watch one, I go with A New Hope, a new hope every day. Uh, I'm this. I'm the space kid. I was the kid who was obsessed with space, and still am, frankly. Ethan Cardwell or Evan Vierling? Cardwell, I think. I think Cardwell's a really, really talented player that t- totally flew under the radar and has tons of upside. Um... Oh, Sam McGillicuddy again. McGillicuddy, McGilligan. Uh, part of my logic for Drysdale is that I believe Erie as a team held him back offensively. I saw the ability to go end-to-end with control, and it hasn't been executed often. He made nice passes that led to quality chances. This is all true. Uh, however, I don't have advanced stats to see how often this happens. Yeah, so early in the year, he does seem to be a bit more intense. Uh, but uh, I, I maybe that's true, but, but I don't mind him. I just think that... Like, if I'm picking a defenseman third overall, I want to see something that really knocks my socks off, and I don't quite see that with him right now. But top 10 pick is not a bad thing at all. Uh, Knowing Nick Robertson is barely older than Lafreniere and Rossi, where would you rank him this year if he was one of the older players of the 2020 class instead of one of the younger ones? Well, I had him in the 20s last year. He, I think I went over this before. He probably would be somewhere in the... Ooh. Maybe, like... 18 like same range i would say like 18 to 22 range like a bit higher than jack quinn but maybe lower than a lucas reichel or or even a dawson mercer uh that's that's my hunch um what do you think of the development of not sure who that is uh oh tuti have um not sure where he goes i honestly don't i've seen a bit of him this year Good playmaker, fun, skilled guy. Not sure where he goes. I I will need to see him play, you know, at a higher level. I know the VHL is not a low-level league, um, but I still have a weird feeling about that guy that, that maybe there's a lot of flash without a lot of substance. But uh, production is production, and he's been good. So there's that. I just, I don't know if the skating or the agility is quite on the level it needs to be to be successful for his size, but certainly still producing, which is always good. Uh, Gravite, when I did my 2019 World Junior predictions, apparently Shane Wright uh, commented that Canada was going to win gold and that's the year they choked in the quarters. <laughs> that's too bad. Oh well. You can save that story for when you're interviewing him in like three years. Uh, will we see a 5'7 defenseman or shorter in the NHL soon? Yeah, his name's Dominic Fensori, I think, personally. If you had to pick only one of the eye tester analytics to use to draft players, which would you pick? That sounds like a not a good question, but it actually is a very good one. I, I'll, I'll give you a bad answer. If I'm drafting in the first round, 
I don't think I'd go with the analytics. If I'm drafting outside of the first round, then yes, certainly rely on data. A big thing that I am learning that I have missed is exploring how results are generated. Not just looking at the data and going, this player is good because of this. It's not that simple, especially in hockey and especially in junior hockey. Uh, it looks like I'm giving you the finger, but I'm not. Whole hand, see? Um, I think I think that one thing I've learned the more I watch is that the first round of the draft can it, it still does line up relatively okay with the with the data, but it definitely helps you discern what type of player you want to use your first pick on. You really got to make sure you pick someone that likely fits into your system or how you as a general manager want the game to be played. You know, like if I want really responsible two-way centers all the way through my lineup, someone like Maverick Bork might not be a guy that I jump at the chance to pick. But if I want more offensive-leaning centers, at least in part of my lineup, and I haven't really drafted a whole lot of them and I like the kid and I like what I've seen of him, then sure, I would think about it. But if I really like those two-way defense first and enable the mobility of everyone else on your team type centers, Marat Kuznetinov is just insanely talented. And I think that it's worth taking the risk on him pretty high. Personally, I know I'm one of a very few number of people with that kind of an outlook on him. But uh, it, it's just sort of my brand of hockey. Really responsible, use your teammates effectively, play responsibly at all areas of the ice, and also be really, really good at it and and look good doing it that that helps too uh and he's up there so so yeah so i i think that up high then i would i would probably want to discern my stuff with my eyeballs um but uh but the data certainly helps in value and it helps you make the bet the best bet you possibly can and that's where I've found a lot of success with the players that I've tracked and, and, and drafted, I would say. You know, like a lot of the ones outside of the first round have been mostly data-based. Um, like, I mean, you know, I'm still a believer in Linus Newman, for example. Ivan Chekovich was a seventh-round pick, I think. Uh, John Dolan in the second round. Um, Joe Valeno, I think he was a first-round pick. But... Uh, you know, a lot of these guys, the defensemen, Adam Fox, analytics was that, that was that. Frederick Ayard, still not a predator, but still good. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys, Kalen Addison, second round pick. There's another one. Um, there's a lot of guys that I think, you know, the data helps later on to isolate and find value. Early, you know, early, it's where I test kind of steps in. That that made me think. That one made me think, Naraj. Thank you. John Hanrahan, Dominic Fensori's potential. You know what? Good good two-way player, to be perfectly honest. Um, not sure about his offensive potential, but I do like his data from this year with BU. I can't say I saw a tremendous amount of him with BU, uh, but he's good. I, I, I really, really like Fensori, um, but mostly as a transition player more than anything. Um... Does anyone have Elias Pettersson type IQ in this draft? Uh, I mean, Pettersson is kind of like bang on. Um, you know, like 
Marco Rossi is kind of up there, like in terms of his IQ. I think Lucas Raymond is also really, really smart in terms of how he plays. Maybe Cole Perfetti, but I don't know. The first name that came to mind for me was Marco Rossi, personally, in terms of, especially offensively, but he's not a slouch defensively in terms of how smart he is. Um, how many years till we see the next generational Crosby or McDavid prospect? Uh, I mean, Shane Wright is filthy. Uh, we'll see it, you know, once in a generation implies, you know, I, I mean, I would argue that like, I guess you're asking how long until we see another player who could challenge for the best player in the world. And it's very clear that they could when they're 17. Like, Shane Wright, I think, is positioning himself as potentially the first overall pick. More of a John Tavares, I think, is kind of what they're looking at there. Not so much on the same level as a Crosby or McDavid, but Shane Wright is not a joke. Uh, Connor Bedard, I don't know yet. We'll see. He's still extremely young. I know a lot of people seem to really like Matvey Michkov. I can't say I've seen a tremendous amount of him outside of the Youth Olympics, but he looks pretty good, too. Um... But Crosby and McDavid were 10 years apart, and you're looking at maybe once a decade that happens. And if it's McDavid and Shane Wright, that's seven or eight years apart, right? Seven? Seven years apart. Might be a little quick. So maybe in the mid-2020s you'll see someone pop up, uh, but I don't know. I'm not sure if Wright is quite there, but I'm also not sure that, that even a Bedard may be there, but we'll see next year. I mean, if he pops off... 70 points in the WHL next year, then we're dealing with something serious. Would you consider taking Reichel with a top 10 or 15 pick? Uh, I think I have him. Where's I? Where's my rank of him? Reichel, where are you? I have him at 15. I don't know about top 15 pick, but certainly after 15, I would definitely think about it. Definitely not top 10, though. Uh, fastest skater in the draft. On paper... So far in my tracking, it was Yoni Yermo, interestingly. Uh, But fastest overall, most consistently? Uh, I don't know. That's that's a good question. Uh, I made a Rick Sanchez noise there. Like, Yoni Yermo is extremely fast, for sure, when he gets really going. Uh... Helga Granz is impressively fast. Uh, who else is on here? Um, Alexander Poshin. I was really surprised with how fast he was for someone so small. Uh, who else? Uh, Tim Stutzla can get going really good if he if he gets a full head of steam going. Um, but yeah, I mean, Yoni Yermo is the one who, from blue line to blue line, has been the fastest that I've tracked, which is interesting. Uh, okay. Gotta bang this out here. Thoughts on Emil Haneman? Like him a lot. He's a, a, could be a nice gem here. Something happened to him between last year and this year. I dig him. Big fan. Uh, second round guy to me. You might be able to get him later, which is great. Ryan and Silly Happy are going back and forth. Quinn Holtz or Holtz Quinn? Personally, I've got Holtz above Quinn, but I do like Jack Quinn more and more the more I see him. But I don't think I'd put Quinn, uh, ahead of him just yet. Or Holtz. I would put Holtz ahead of him for now. But, yeah. Uh, Best amateur scouting team in the NHL. 
remains to be seen because I think a lot of amateur scouting teams have changed a lot recently. Um, in terms of drafting well overall, I'd say the Rangers and Hurricanes are up there. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Uh, for what it's worth, I asked that question. Of, oh, okay. About the eye test versus analytics because I have a friend that worked in the Yankees front office and his response was if I could watch every game the eye test, but I can't. Frankly, I'd want both. Give me the data and give me the eye test to show me how the data got there. You know? A guy could look phenomenal in junior, but it doesn't mean that they're going to translate. How do they get the? How are they generating those points? Uh, and 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 that's where the data comes in. Like my data has been very very helpful in terms of ordering the, these guys a little bit better, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Best power forward in the draft. Uh, it might end up being Dylan Holloway, frankly. Um, who else? Uh. You know, there aren't a ton of them. Um, I mean, Torgerson could also be up there. I think Torgerson is a lot of value. Um, depending on your definition of power forward, Brandon Coe, maybe. Uh, not a ton of really big forwards. Noel Gundler has a bit of a power forward streak in him for typical European player. I think he's a good one. Uh, but Dylan Holloway is the one that sticks out the most, I think. Um, thoughts on Mancini flying way under the radar I'm a fan of him I like Victor Mancini quite a lot uh, good defensive defenseman with solid offensive tools um, generates a lot of good results so I want to get to seven games on him but I'm not sure I'll be able to if the draft is four weeks away oh god uh, thoughts on Vladimir Mashkov fun to watch I'm surprised he's not ranked. Uh, if you can get him in the seventh round, he's not a bad swing. Uh, really skilled, really f- quick on his feet. Not the fastest guy, but agile. Uh, good with the puck. Um, you know, just a lot of fun to watch. I think he gen- and he generates a lot of offensive chances really well. He's one of those guys who kind of gets it. Like I say, you know, bounces tend to go his way. He tends to come out of puck battles with possession of the puck. He's determined, he works hard, and 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 I like him. I think he's one of these guys that I think if he were at the under-18s would have stuck out quite a bit. Who slid down the rankings the most in the last three months and why? Well, on my rankings, the guys that have slid the most, uh, Ty Smolanich went from 29 to 52. And the last time I put rankings out was November, so keep that in mind. Um... I had, oh yeah, here's one. I had Antonio Stranges at 35. Uh, and then the more I watched and the more I tracked, the or the more I watched, I should say, the less I liked. Um, you know, he really reminds me of like, I don't know, I don't want to get into that, but but it's it's he's not a guy that I've liked the longer this season's gone on. Uh, Ryan Francis I had at 32. He's slowed down significantly over the year. He's a third round guy to me now. Um, started hot, not quite, there anymore uh not super huge on justin sordiff anymore um i had jake neighbors at 28 he's now at 48 but i think that's because other players have kind of passed him since november uh okay keith french fries hello hey bud hope you're well too man what do you think of sokolov gogolev and gordon i like sokolov him gogolev him and Gogolev have the same issue where it's about more of their skating. Good skill, great shot, great playmakers, sure. Uh, just not sure that it's going to translate right away. Um, maybe as a late round pick you do it for either of those guys, but not right off the top. 
Gordon, I think, is, you know, a guy who produces really well on the power play. Just not sure. Not sure there's enough there, I, I don't think. Just good skill, but not not quite enough, I don't think. Uh, really good shot on him, though. Do you think Cam Hillis can one day have a real impact with the Habs? I hope so. I like Cam Hillis a lot, so I hope so. Your thoughts on Pavel Drofiev's plus one year? I had him in my first round and wasn't surprised he went third round and you haven't been able to see him much at all. I wasn't surprised to see him slip. I didn't have him ranked in the first round. I had him ranked in the second, though, early second, but but I'm not surprised his this year for him was, like, okay. Um, I remember seeing him in the MHL a couple of times this year, and it just seemed like he hadn't taken a step. Uh, yeah, like, his KHL production was kind of about even. In the MHL, I mean, you can only say so much. It took a bit of a step back, but that's only... You know, like no points in three playoff games and three points in four regular season games. It felt like he wasn't really much of a factor. Uh, like, I've always been cooler, or not always, but at least the more I watched him, the cooler I was on him. Uh, he was a nice, interesting experiment for me to look at a player and track them and go, something doesn't smell right with this guy and all the points that he's scoring. So what is that all about? And yeah, I'm not surprised he slipped, but... We'll see. He's an interesting player. Uh, just not sure where he goes. Uh, okay, I'm going to bang through these and take off, guys. Uh, do you think they would allow fans out of the World Juniors this winter, especially ones from across the border? I don't know. Ask me in November. Uh, with how things are going in the States, I'm not anticipating anything going back to normal anytime soon down there. Um, and if nothing, if things aren't going back to normal down there, then things aren't going to go back to normal up here. Uh, yeah. I mean, I hope that by the winter they're allowing fans back into the stadiums. Um, you know, I I was reading something today where if they can fast track medical treatments and vaccines beyond the, you know, like for an emergency situation, uh, we might be able to start vaccinating people by September. But like the thing about vaccines is like the supply chain is totally, you know, you need to vaccinate like a lot of people and do it quickly. Because once the news of a vaccine gets out, everyone's going to want it. And how do you make... You can't just zap it out of midair and, and, and give it to you, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see how that gets handled and who gets it and how much it will cost. Especially for our friends south of the border. But, um... I hope they allow fans into the World Juniors. But I'm not... Again, this whole situation, it's like sports and stuff they can they can wait you know like i'd rather you know deal with economic consequences and the consequences to my own life if it means that you know my grandfather who's in a nursing home right now doesn't you know get a terrible disease and die i would prefer that and i think a lot of people would too or at least you think um so i don't know honestly it would be nice but i'm not holding my breath uh, last question of the night. Who's a player in past years that you thought was going to be a gem and actually was? Well, see, like, I've been doing this for a few years, but not long enough to really discern that. Um, um, let me, let's go to 2017. Because, again, like, I haven't really done a lot of the visual analysis and manual tracking work. I haven't been doing that 
a ton. It's been this is my second year, and last year I only got to get to thirteen players because I was procrastinating. This year is very different, so I feel way more prepared this year than I did last year. Um, like I'm trying to find a name that I that was ranked really high. Like Adam Fox is the one that really jumps out immediately. I'm looking at my 2017 rankings. Ivan Chekovic, I had ranked 30th. He had a rough year this year with 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 San Jose, but I I'm willing to bet on him long term. Uh, I had Jesper Bokvist at 31, but he didn't go particularly late. Uh, who else is on here? Uh, yeah, like these were the years where I was really looking at the data more than anything, which is where you also learn some hard lessons. Uh, I was a big believer in Kale Fleury as well pretty early. I had him at 63, uh, Josh Brook at 66. Not that that's like extremely high, but it's, I believe, higher than when they went. Um... But yeah, that, that rounds that out, I guess I would say. Uh, <laughs> Nirage. There are lots of anti-vaxxers that don't want it, especially here in the States. Well, okay, I'll get, I'll get my vaccine. My grandfather will get his vaccine. My parents will get theirs. You know, my, I hope most of my friends do. Um, you can't force them to, but if it's available, I think most people will get it. Um, but anyway, I don't want to talk about coronavirus anymore. Anyway, this was great, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I hope you're all safe and well, and all of your family and friends are as well. Uh, this is strange still. Uh, I am going to say that uh, I don't think I'll be able to do two live streams a week anymore, mostly because this is just crunch time, and I need that extra night to edit and film and track and just do other stuff. So uh, I apologize for that, that that... that that was a fun experiment for a while, but just for my own sake, I don't think I'll be able to to handle that as well. Um, so uh, I hope that's not the end of the world. We'll probably ramp that back up next year um, since it was worth doing, uh, but, but just for crunch time, I don't think it makes sense uh, for my own sake. So I hope you enjoyed. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to get some kind of registration in order for the mock draft. So if you don't follow me on Twitter, follow me there. Uh, it'll be first come first served. And I know people last year just missed the cutoff. There were people who dropped out last year though. So if you do miss the cutoff, you will be put on a wait list again, first come first served. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll organize things that way. So, uh, thank you very much for joining me. This was lovely. Uh, stay tuned. There's, a a report. The Holloway report is coming out publicly, um, on Friday. Uh, there's another report for patrons that they got tonight, uh, and then they're getting another one tomorrow. So it's going to be a good time. Um, and yes, thank you very much. These are, these are fun, Estuardo. It's good to see you. Uh, so welcome aboard. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much for joining me. We'll see you next Wednesday, uh, same time, same place for another one of these. And before the draft, we'll be doing a mock, uh, online, which will probably be a gong show, but that's cool. And then, uh, yeah full-time live streaming during the draft both days as long as I'm not there for whatever reason. 